When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. All right. Here we are with Heather Prawl. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fabulous. Awesome. Uh, I never say fabulous, but I, I threw it out for you. Nice. I like it. Here we are on a Friday. Uh, hope you had a good week. I wanted to start off by asking you, as I've been asking quite a few people, because this thing seems to be going on and on, how have you been doing? How's your art been doing? during the, uh, the virus, which will not be named. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, surprisingly well. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Business, uh, business has been great. And, uh, I've been enjoying some of the, just the quiet time and it's been an opportunity to really just kind of stay, take a step back from the crazy routine and some of the day-to-day things that you tend to get wrapped up in and not really think about and, and just take a step back and reevaluate priorities and, and take a breather to some extent. Yes. Uh, it has fo- forced us to refocus on certain things that we kind of weren't focusing on before with all the madness of everyday life. Now that you're kind of stuck at home. Sometimes it For makes sure. you zero in on certain things that you haven't been zeroing in on before. Right now I'm actually busier than ever. So for me, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. I went a little bit to the other extreme. So yeah, it's sense. just kind of recalibrating. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Kind of figuring out a new path and things are definitely still busy, but in a different way. And I feel like it's more of a, I don't know. It's, I don't know if I'd say it's more of a controlled or a, or a selective way versus sort of just going through the motions before and, and yeah exactly well yeah it, it forces us to kind of be uh more selective with what we're doing and more present with what we're doing i think which is kind of a silver lining but i wanted to say heather is a an abstract painter i love your work you i want you to describe it for us before i before i gush about it but um we also met through get the gallery and you are the chief curator there right and co-founder right exactly awesome so we've corresponded via email and then we had a very nice like half hour conversation one time on the phone and I actually didn't know for a long time that you were such a good artist also so I was kind of pleasantly surprised to find that out but um if you could just describe your art a little bit for us yeah so it's interesting when I um started painting. I started working just with hard body acrylics and um, all of my work is abstract artwork, mm-hmm. which I love. And so, you know, just kind of working through trying different things. Uh, I started painting with fluid acrylics, which yes. is really kind of fun and interesting and, and unique. And I know it's something that's become you know more popular um, as of recent uh, and I believe you're, you work with fluid acrylics as well, correct? I, yeah, I have like a little sub category that I work with, yeah. with fluids and it's a lot of fun. The thing that yeah. I found is there's a lot of fluid acrylic artists out there, yes. but there's only 
a small percentage of them that are really talented. <laughs> so, cause it's a very yeah. it's a way to kind of start and just, Oh, it I'm hinting. But yeah. um, I think, you know, you can tell the people who've kind of mastered uh, the medium a little bit and, sure. and I really like your work. So sorry, keep going. Thank you. Yeah, no. And, and I agree with that too. So yeah, really my, my artwork conveys emotion through movement and color. And again, just um, I enjoy abstract artwork. I feel like abstract is really unique in that, you know, each person that's looking at an artwork will see something different and kind of connect in their own, own way, depending on, you know, their own personal experiences. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I was kind of going, combing through your website a little bit. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see the kind of uh, contrast between some of your more bright uh, abstract works and some of the neutrals. I like a lot of the the uh, the neutral pieces. I like all of them, but I was really digging those today. And your kind of use of negative space is very interesting too. You get these pops of color and and also with the neutrals, the separation of of kind of the movement of the paint and then the negative space, like the negative white space a lot of times. It's really cool. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. My work is really just sort of an evolution. And mm-hmm. I think you can see that, um, you know, just as time goes on. And I did a large body of work at the beginning of this year for a big art showing that I had that didn't go so well due to COVID. <laughs> because right. it, obviously... Um, you know, things got, got um, redirected because of that. But um, even just the work, you know, that I've done this year, there, there's just a, there's an evolution that, that's happened. And I feel like every time I go into the studio, just I don't really have a recipe or a formula that I go in with. It's kind of just playing every time and, and um, trying something different and really just enjoying the creative process versus, you know, going in and just kind of repeating the same steps. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think sometimes artists can get bogged down in the process a little bit and it's very freeing to just be, you know, to be able to go in there new with a blank slate, a blank canvas and just be creative. I mean, that's why we all got started in the first place. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, you know, it's interesting because I think that, um, you know, a lot of artists definitely have a definitive style, which is fantastic. And, you know, people, people are, some people are drawn to that and sort of, I think, have an expectation that artists have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had, I've had people say to me, um, you know, well, what's your kind of, what's your niche or what's your style? Or, you know, don't you feel like you have to pick one thing? And honestly, that ruins, that kills it for me. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, agree. I want to be able to continue um, to evolve and just, I mean, that's how I am kind of with everything that I do, not just, not just in my art, but just as a person, I want to be able to continue to experiment and evolve and, you know, continue to grow. Yeah. And also just, it's being true to yourself, right? If exactly. you're putting these limitations on, oh, well, I have to stay within this little box, right. then it's, it, it does kill your creativity. Right. Um, I've, I mean, I've probably bored people to death. I've talked about this so many times with my uh, shifts in styles uh, from like dark pop surrealism to abstract. And it just was a natural evolution. It was something that I had been wanting to do for a long time. And I, I made the switch and it felt great. And now I still love playing too. So it's, it's nice to hear you say that. I wanted to talk a little bit about, well, maybe a lot of it, because I know we corresponded and you have a very fascinating origin story. And I was wondering if you could just kind of start us off with the origin story, uh, how you how you evolved as both a human being and as an artist. And I think I'll probably be stopping you from time to time because I know there's so much in there that I don't want to, I don't want to lose my train of thought, but we'll just little put a little pin in it and we'll come back to your origin story once we once we get into each little topic, but um, yeah, start us off if you can. Yeah, the origin sure. of Heather Prowl. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and feel free to kind of you know guide and ask questions. And if there's something that I've missed or forgotten, you know, definitely let me know. But yeah, but yeah. Um, so I was born here in Denver, Colorado. I'm a native, and very interesting start for me. I was born to a 15 year old mother and a 17 year old father. Mm. So very, very young parents um, who obviously were not anticipating, um, you know, having children at that point in their lives. And 
So the intention was actually for them to keep me and raise me. And so I went home with my birth mother and she didn't have a lot of support from her family. In fact, they had highly discouraged her from even going through with the pregnancy. And so they're just, she, she was 15 years old. She didn't have a job. She didn't have a car. She's still in school. And it got to a point where it was, you know, obviously it was too much for, for a 15 year old. So she was some, coercion from her mother decided to give me up for adoption and went into foster care for just a couple of months and uh, and then was placed in a home and then about a year later there was a formal adoption process that happened uh, with my adoptive family oh wow so yeah. you you might not even remember any of this right Exactly. Yeah, I was I mean, I was just a baby. So this was this all happened within the first year of life. I had three, three different homes and three different families in that first year. Oh, wow. I think that's pretty normal. I'm not super familiar with the adoption and, uh, you know, foster care process. But from what I've seen, it seems to be that kids can sometimes ping pong around for a while, right? For sure, for sure. So I think, um, you know, with my particular situation, uh, my adoptive parents had been on a list for about three, I believe it was three, three and a half years. Okay. And so infants, newborns are, are pretty popular, which is why they were on a list for as long as they were. So that process was fairly quick, but, um, you know, it tends to be different when, when it's a situation where, you know, a child is older, they're taken out of a home or it's a different situation. So. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, um, it's, it's fascinating to me. I'm sure it's fascinating to a lot of people who are listening as well. Now it sounds like you've met your, your biological mother then. I have, and that's a whole nother sort of long, (laughs) (laughs) Um, very interesting story. And I can kind of just give you, uh, give you a high level overview of that. that (laughs) So I don't want you to go too, you know, (laughs) yeah, too deep. That's a whole nother topic, right? (laughs) That's a whole nother uh, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was so it's interesting. So um, when I was born at that point in time, adoptions were all closed. And essentially how it works is that, you know, the records are sealed, no one really gets to know anything, you know, there's no exchange of information. Uh, my adoptive family knew absolutely nothing about my birth family or the situation or names or or really kind of where I came from and vice versa. Um, right. So I always knew that I was adopted growing up. My parents were always very forthcoming of, you know, talking about that. Again, there was no real information outside of that to share. But, and I always knew that uh, at some point that I would have an interest and a desire to meet at least my birth mother. Yeah. So when I was in probably I believe it was fifth grade, my birth mother started contacting my adoptive parents through letters. Oh, wow. And they were obviously completely thrown off guard by that because. So she, but did she find, I mean, did she have the records of who had adopted you? um, She did, but there was no, my parents didn't have any information. My adoptive parents didn't have any information as to how that actually transpired. So they got okay. a letter. They got a letter in the mail, essentially from her, you know, claim, this woman <laughs> claiming to be my birth mother and saying that she really wanted to be involved in my life and kind of explaining what her situation had been. And, mm-hmm. and so my adoptive parents reached out to social services and, you know, they didn't really know what to do with this. And social services said they had no idea how this this, you know, birth mother would have gotten the information records are sealed until I'm 18. And and at 18, that I should be the only one to be able to pull those records. So they decided to have some limited interaction just via letter with her, and really just kind of push back on all of her requests and didn't ever let me know that they that this was going on behind the scenes. So When I turned 18, they sat me down and they pulled out these letters and these photos and just kind of said, okay, you're 18 now. 
here's all this stuff from, you know, the past, however many years I had been since I was in fifth grade, they had had some correspondence back and forth. And so it's, you know, your turn to make the decision now that you're of age, if you want to meet her. Wow. Were you, were you upset that they'd kept this from you? Did you, I mean, did you kind of freak out about it or were you, did you understand at the time? Um, I think at 18, I didn't really know how to feel. I was emotional about the whole thing just because, you know, you grow up sort of always wondering, you know, I was never really like anyone in my family. Obviously, you don't, you know, don't look like anyone and just even, just even personality characteristics and likes and dislikes and things like that. You just always have those curiosities of wondering whether or not you're like anyone in your birth family. And so yeah. I finally had, I finally had these letters and I had these pictures and I could put, you know, a face and a name to who these people are, who this person was. And so that was, that was very emotional. I wasn't really upset. I was excited to actually meet her. Sure. Yeah. It's like putting some of the pieces together. For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, um, that's exciting. So uh, look, I don't want to go too deep too here. Far. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too far you can tell me, uh, you can tell me stop whenever you want, but, um, so, okay. If, if you're good right there, then we can, um, we can keep going. So For sure. yeah, you basically transitioned from there into school, right? I think you got a master's in business. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. So, um, my undergraduate was in, inter- uh, it was in interdisciplinary studies. So it was human development. It was kind of sociology type courses. And I went into the human resources field because I, I saw it as a way to help people and make decent money being, you know, working in the business world. And so I went into, right. went into that field and, and um, felt a little stuck after a couple of years and wasn't progressing kind of through the the chain as quickly as I would like to. And so I went and got my master's degree in business yeah. thinking that, that would kind of help propel me in my career and, and give me, you know, give me an edge that some other people didn't have. So I ended up um, after all was said and done spending almost 15 years in human resources. And it was a big letdown. <laughs> to be <laughs> Oh, the whole thing was a big letdown. Um, yeah, yeah. And well, know, this is this is a little sub theme <laughs> in this podcast, by the way. A lot yeah. of I've talked to a lot of people who've started out in different fields, and it, it didn't it didn't live up to what uh, what they thought it was going to, and yeah. so they made the transition. But yeah, anyway, keep going. Yeah, for sure. So you're yeah, not alone. I, yeah, I'm sure I'm not right. So <laughs> I just always felt like I was you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> right. I had a master's degree and I had this career. It just was never, it was never fulfilling and, and went into it with really good intentions, you know, again, just really wanting to help people. And sure. Uh, I saw it as a, a, again, a way to work in the business world and, and make a good living. And it turns out that people really dislike human resources. <laughs> Yeah. Who would have thought of that? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So it really wasn't that much fun. You're the, the rule maker and the rule enforcer and people, you know, they're just, people don't get that. Yeah. There's definitely a stigma attached. Yeah. There's a stigma and there are some really awful HR people. I've worked with a lot of them. So, (laughs) so, you know, there's a reputation and to some extent, rightfully so. Um, I mean, I've had some I've got some stories <laughs> again. <laughs> I'm already seeing uh, episode number two with Heather Right, Brawler. right. Yeah, yeah. So the if, you really want, if you really want to delve in, oh, I've, got some, <laughs> I've got some goodies for you. The so. dirt, I love it. All right, we will do it. Um, so it's interesting. Thank you for sharing that, first of all. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Kind of the artistic path and almost like the human path. I've, I've always been intrigued by the whole concept of getting older, but still feeling like a little kid, you know, Um, being an adult, being in your twenties and thirties, even, and still going like, I don't know what I want to do. Or or when I, when I grow up, I'm going to be this, you know, or maybe, you know what you want to do and the pieces are just not fitting together. And it just makes you feel like your life has not started yet. Exactly. Um, For me, it was one of those things where I was actually, I knew I wanted to be an artist the whole time. 
and I was doing it. I just wasn't making yeah. enough money at it. And right. so I had this existential crisis of, should I do the fallback thing? You know, after a decade of not pursuing anything else, should I try to pursue another path? And I just had this existential crisis and dilemma the whole time. And it gave me a lot of um, anxiety and, and depression trying to work through that. So yeah. I think a lot of people, this will uh, resonate with them. So, okay, so let's take it to the place where obviously you, you know, you pull open the shirt and you got the superhero, you know, from underneath in the cape. When, when did you decide to jump off the, the cliff? Yeah, it was a bit of a forced push off the cliff more than Uh-oh, a jump okay. off the cliff, which I, I'm completely okay with. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was completely okay with it. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, um, so, you know, I, to be honest, so my last job in HR was one of the best places that I had ever been. And I have a fantastic boss and I was able to work from home and I had all this flexibility and our daughter was about a year old and the company just wasn't doing well. It was a small startup and there were only two of us in HR and we had started laying folks off about a year prior to essentially us laying ourselves off from HR. We were the last people to go. So we knew that it was coming. Uh, It was very much planned and I was okay with it. I knew that when I, or when we had um, started having kids that I wanted to be at home anyway So it was really just sort of letting it play out. And then when it happened, you know, figuring out from there what the path was. Right. And so the path initially started with taking some time to just get out, travel, get out of the routine. We sold our house. My husband didn't really, again, he was still kind of trying to figure out what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he had a really, a really good job had had a really successful career, but was feeling very burnt out with where Mm -hmm. he was at. And um, so we, we took off and um, we bought a travel trailer and just set out a course to take a tour of the Western part of the United States and uh, with our our one and a half year old daughter and our cats. And so, yeah, oh, wow. every, every few days we were in a new place and it was fantastic. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's exciting. So how far did you get? Yeah, we did um, basically a big loop from Colorado up to Canada and then down the coast of California and then um, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and then back home. So it was nine months. Which, yeah, sounds like a long time, but it flies by when you're, you know, you're not working and you're just out kind of discovering and traveling and having fun. I'm sure. So did you, now, was this kind of a plan? Like we have this amount of money set aside for this. When the money runs out, we'll come back and and get back into it. No, it was really, it came down to my husband had taken a sabbatical uh, Mm -hmm. from his job. And so it was figuring out if he wanted to go back or not. And he decided to go back after the nine months. So that's essentially what brought us back home in that okay. time frame. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good at least that he was able to to go back and he was able to yeah. take a sabbatical. That's, that's sure. very nice. Um, sure. And I'm sure for you, like you were saying how you knew it was coming, you knew you were going to be on the chopping block at some point. Yeah. Was this something that kind of enabled you to put some things in place to you know, figure out how you could continue working from home as an artist? Did you start kind of thinking about that at the time? Or was this post or during the, the RV traveling? Yeah, it really actually wasn't until we got back home. There was there was no plan, no agenda. I was just kind of enjoying, again, not having to be in a routine and mm-hmm. having, you know, this, this break. And hitting the reset button. So that didn't transpire until we were back home. Um, One of our last stops on our RV tour, our trip was in Santa Fe. And we saw so many just cool things, obviously, along the way. And, and, um, you know, just a lot of artistic things that are out there, just sculptures and art galleries. And Santa Fe is a big part. 
it's uh, yeah culture, yeah no? that wrapped our trip and that was incredible i had never been to the art galleries there and the georgia o'keefe museum oh, it was yeah. incredible and we bought some artworks while we were there awesome so we, found, we found this fantastic artist and uh, we fell in love with her work in a gallery and ended up getting to meet with her at a coffee shop and and purchase a couple pieces from her. And while I was there, uh, I was in one of the galleries and Bruce really fell in love with this artist and his artwork. And it was unlike anything I had ever seen before um, in oil paintings. Mm-hmm. And the work was just, it was phenomenal, but the work was, his work was like $60,000. And right. So uh, that wasn't something that was really attainable at that point. We did buy some artwork, but it wasn't $60,000 artwork. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, so that, that actually was what started my thought process. It was just, you know, again, having some time and, and, you know, just thinking about how I could be creative again and kind of get back into things. And then once we got back home and we were reestablishing, reestablishing ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm home with a little one and, yeah, and I have a hard time just kind of sitting around. Uh, yeah. That's just not really my deal. So I, I yeah, so we, uh, my husband was back at work and, and I'm home with a, at that point she was two, almost two and a half. And when we came back, we went through kind of an interesting journey with some fertility stuff. Before we left on our journey, we'd had our daughter, I mentioned, and she was an in vitro baby. So we discovered right. when, we, when we wanted to have kids that we needed to go through the process of in vitro. And through that process, we obviously had our daughter, which was incredible, but we also lost um, another baby along the way. And when we came back, we had a frozen embryo that had been sitting waiting for us for a few years. And so we decided to go through that process and we went through another miscarriage. And then uh, the, the doctor said there was nothing more that we could do to continue the process. So that was really kind of the end of that journey. Oh, wow. And I was really struggling with that. I was really tough. So, so this was, you said this was um, the second, the second you wanted to have a second. Yeah. 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 So we wanted to have a second and then, yeah, I went through a second miscarriage and then they essentially told us that that was the end of our fertility journey and there was nothing more that they could do for, oh, wow. for us to continue the process. That's got to be a very tough process and also an expensive process too, right? Oh yeah, incredibly so. Yeah, it's it's something that no one can really ever prepare you for and it was probably actually a good thing because I think I had I known <laughs> what I was in for it might have made it even more difficult. Right. But... You're like, well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, when when the cooler shows up and you have, you know, a pile of needles and And, and, you know, six months worth of medications. And then you figure out that you have to actually do all these injections yourself. (laughs) Right. It's, um, it's a little, it's a little overwhelming. I'll just say that. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly intense. And, you know, we weren't super, my husband didn't really want to tell a lot of people that we were going through this. So we kind of kept it, you know, we kept it private. We, you know, our, our parents knew, but a lot of people didn't really know that we were going through this. Yeah. So that sometimes makes it tougher too, when you're going through that and you, you can't really talk about you it. You can't share with anybody. Yeah. You can't vent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely, well, definitely. and that's another theme of, of what you're saying, the whole, you know, just having the miscarriage too. I mean, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of close friends who've had miscarriages. I know my, yeah. my mom did. I know a lot of women do. And I hear it's yeah. obviously a devastating process, but one thing I keep hearing is that it's not talked about that much and, yeah. and, and, and women don't share it with each other that much. There seems to be a little bit of a push now to kind of talk about this. And I think, I think that's good, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm definitely seeing that, you know, I have, um, I have some accounts I follow um, online. One of them is the IVF warrior and mm-hmm. it's fantastic for anyone who's going through you know, any type of infertility battle, I highly recommend following them, but yeah, the IVF there's, warrior. yeah, the IVF okay. warrior. Um, but there is, there's a big push because uh, like you said, a lot of people really keep it, keep it private. And I don't know, I don't know why that is. It's interesting because, you know, going through the process, um, again, 
I think like for my husband, my husband didn't really want to share it. I think because he didn't want the pressure of people asking. And then if it didn't work out, sure. having to sort of explain that I think mm-hmm. for him and his mind, it was easier to just not have to even have a conversation. Right. We'll share and the news when we have something to share. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that was sort of his perspective, which, which I get, but then I think there are other people that, you know, in order to sort of process it, they really need to talk about it. And I was more, I, that's more my mentality is that it's, it's easier for me to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, I mean, I get, I still get questions. I mean, that's been five years ago and, you know, we still have people that ask us constantly or ask me constantly that, you know, Oh, when are you having going to have your next baby or, you know, when is your daughter going to have a sibling? So people are constantly asking that question. And I'm just really upfront about like, Hey, this is our situation. And so, yeah, that's that. I think that's good. And yeah. I've heard, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a woman, but I like to kind of keep abreast of these types of scenarios. Yeah. Um, and I've heard there's a lot of shame that comes along with it, which seems a little bizarre because it's, you know, it's natural. It's not right. something that you have any control over, right. but I hear there is almost like an element of shame and that's, that keeps some women from sharing it. I think so. I think, you know, a lot of women just feel incredibly betrayed by their bodies and you know Mm -hmm. or they wonder if they did something you know was it you know this or was it that or maybe I caused this and so you know there's maybe a sense of guilt um I don't have thankfully I haven't had that yeah oh good um yeah so I mean I definitely have I still have grief around you know having gone through it but I don't feel like it was something that was in my control either sure it's, it's funny in those situations too. It's like, why did the men never get any blame? You know, like what maybe right. it was something that the man did. I think it's right. funny. It, well, I mean, it's obviously probably neither, but I yeah. always find it funny when women get pregnant. It's like, well, now you need to take care of yourself and you need to watch what you eat. Right. It's like, well, I'm sorry, but I think the guy needs to, too. Like, let's, if you're going to plan for this, yeah. let's start working on our diets together. Let's yeah. get in good shape. Let's, you know, whatever we're putting yeah. in our body is going to come out. So right. Um, right. I just think that's funny that there's no emphasis put on, on the male ever. It's like, you just keep doing whatever you're doing, you know, yeah, keep drinking and smoking and doing some blow and then it's fine. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. No, it is interesting. Well, and it's, it's, it becomes even more interesting when you go through this infertility process because it's you know the guy goes in and has one test done and right for the woman it's it's test after test after test I mean it's it it never ends and then you know and then you decide that you're going to go through so that's the you know that's just the diagnosis process and then you'd make the decision to go through the process you know and there, there are multiple things that you can do in this process, you know, there's a IVF isn't the only option. There are other options that you mm-hmm. can try. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really all on the woman, <laughs> the medications, the, yeah. the blood draws, the, all of it, uh, the ultrasounds, the the whole thing. And so I don't know, maybe that that's sucks. where it comes, where it comes from. And so, sure. I mean, I guess if anything, there's, it's really just, you know, that other person being a support, like you said, being a support in, okay, let's both be healthy. Let's both, you know, if there's something we're doing that we shouldn't be doing, if we're smoking or we're doing this, I'm going to stop smoking or I'm going to stop drinking or whatever it is. And just being a a support system. Yeah, I I completely agree. So yeah, I completely agree. Well, thank you so much for sharing that too. That's, that's awesome. Um, And I'm sorry to hear that as well, but uh, I would like to shift gears a little bit to, sure. well, well, first of all, when you were said that you stopped in Santa Fe and you got yeah. the kind of whatever the impetus for your art career, yeah. um, was it also, was it just that you were seeing this art and being exposed to it or did you also kind of see that it was possible to make some money doing it? It was really just piquing my interest to mm-hmm. start painting again and then really the impetus was going through what we just talked about you know yeah. we came home and and the first thing that we did was we transferred that frozen embryo that we had mm-hmm. and it didn't work out 
And I was just in a really weird place, you know, just emotionally and not really having a support system to have a, you know, kind of an outlet to that. And, and so that's where painting came in. And that was the impetus for me to, it was really a distraction for me. Distraction. And I'm sure you were probably working through some of those emotions too, right? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's nice that art can be um, cathartic as well. Yeah, I, I know sure. I've I know I've worked through a lot of past weird trauma through, yeah. through my art and it's helped me to kind of get out on the other side. So I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's pretty similar. Yeah. So that was that was fantastic. That kind of all happened. It, again, there was it just happened. It wasn't even that there was a thought process at that point that, oh, I'm gonna, you know, make the decision to do this and this is going to be a career. There was none of that. It was really just I had seen some things that I had been inspired by and I was going mm-hmm. through this tough time and I needed an outlet. And I went to the art store and I bought some stuff and came home and just started painting and you know, it really honestly kind of became an addiction for me. <laughs> nice. um, and it was like, the more that I did it, the more that I wanted to do it. And, and I couldn't, I just, you know, and it was all I thought about. And uh, so, Heather, she's on the brush again. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the brush again. <laughs> so it just, it took off from there and, and um, just has evolved over, you know, the last several years. So I, I, would, I would, yeah, I mean, I would say it was more of, again, it was an outlet. It was, I would describe it as more of a hobby at that time. And, and then I started to do it. We, we ended up building a house after we figured out kind of coming back and wanting to reestablish ourselves here, mm-hmm. I built the house and had a bunch of empty walls. And so I decided that I wanted to fill the walls with my artwork and uh, my husband does photography. So we, yeah. So we just filled our house with art and photography and then people started coming over to the house neighbors and, friends and family and inquiring about the artwork that was hanging on the walls and had a few folks ask me to commission some work and was making nice. some money that way. Uh, that was I love fantastic. it that it's, it's a very organic, you know, exactly. transition into the art world. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so it was really um, a year ago this past summer when our daughter was getting ready to go full-time in school in first grade. And my husband and I were talking about, you know, what I wanted my days to look like having a little bit more free time. And I did not want to go back to the HR world. I knew that for sure. Right. <laughs> so kind of trying to figure out where do I want to go from here. And what's interesting is I had two paths kind of set out. And one was, and we can get into this a little bit more, but my psychic medium, Reiki healing kind of life coaching side. Yeah. So you didn't tell me about this. (laughs) Yeah. So, so by the way, by the way, is this, this could be the perfect time. Um, we're at that cutoff period. Let me stop it and save it. And then we'll get back to this. So give me one second here. Yep. All right. We're back after a little mini break and you were talking about two paths and I think you said Reiki uh, and energy healing, right? Yeah, so I have a background in psychic medium. I'm also a master Reiki healer and I have oh, nice. a certification in life coaching as well. So uh, those are things that, you know, I've, again, it's it's never something that I've done as a career, uh, mm-hmm. but there are things that I've always enjoyed just kind of doing for fun with friends and family on the side. And, and so, yeah, there were two paths that I was contemplating and that was one. And if you were other, here, I would be like hitting you up for that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I would I'm love having to, some, right? <laughs> yeah, money. no, it's incredible. It's 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 phenomenal. And I yeah. what's what's um really cool about the the Reiki medium piece is that I've just not even intentionally, but um been able to tie in the psychic medium with the Reiki healing. So I will have sessions where I'll be giving someone a Reiki healing and then their grand, their, you know, grandmother who's passed away will come through. Oh, wow. Yeah. And oh, I'll do a awesome. read and I'll do a reading. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so wow. Really, yeah. It's really interesting and sort of unique and fun. And, and, um, so there was that path. 
or there was the artwork path. And, you know, for the last couple of years, as far as my artwork has been concerned, I've just done really just commissions on command mm-hmm. here and there. And I've done a couple of art shows and was, you know, kind of again, again, trying to figure out how I could do the art full time and then get the gallery popped up. So it yeah, turns you're doing my job out, for me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit back here, take a little nap. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, so get the gallery popped up ironically through. But I do want to pause you for one sec. So yeah. you, you were doing art basically since about 2014. Is that right? Yes. Yep. That's right. Okay, cool. And I know you, one thing we did kind of breeze past earlier was you started painting in elementary school. I did. Yeah. So it wasn't like something just came out no. of nowhere. You did have. No. Yeah. yeah. So I can, I can tie that in too. Okay. Or talk about that a little bit too. But yeah, but let's, but let's keep going for right now with okay. um, get the gallery. Cause we, for anybody who's listened to the past episodes, uh, we had Joe Clark on the, um, the founder of get the gallery. I know you are also the co-founder. Um, but if anybody's interested go back and listen to that. So how did you meet Joe? Yeah. Well, interesting story. I have a woman that I worked with when I was in human resources who was working with Joe and she went into his office one day and noticed this incredible piece of artwork on his wall and inquired about it. And he told her that he had started this art rental business just on the side. And I was an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, explained the business and she brought my name up and connected the two of us and we chatted and I signed up as an artist with Get oh, the awesome. Gallery. Yeah. So you were yeah. an artist first? I was an artist first. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now happened. was he, was he kicking around the idea uh, at this point or was it kind of being implemented at this point as far as bringing me in for well like when role. you when you say you came in as a as yeah. an artist, what, it was in the I'm assuming it was in the very initial stages then yeah it was it was um July of 2019 okay. which was a couple months after the soft launch of the company mm-hmm. so I came on uh, I believe it was yeah it was June or July I signed on as an artist and you know we're Again, we're, we both live here in Denver, so we had had some events and things that I had shown up to, and it was just really interested interested in the company and the business. And Joe is fantastic and to work with, and yeah. and so the process from there, in terms of my the evolution of my role with Get the Gallery, again, just really happened organically. We we were you know just chatting, and I have the business background, obviously, with my you know, my former career and, and my master's in business. And then now this footwork or foot in the art world and um, connections to other artists. And so it really seemed just like a great match for me to come in and help the company out with the curator role. Yeah. I think some people might say, Oh, that's serendipitous, but really it's like all these, all the groundwork was kind of late. Like I say that all the time with me, there's so many things that I was doing in the past, whether it be music or acting or all these things that I was doing, like Jack of all trades type stuff. And I've, they've all come full circle for me at some point. Like even with the YouTube stuff that I'm doing now, all of my acting and interest in filmmaking and all that, it's all coming back and it's never a waste. So it sounds like it's similar with your, all your experience with HR. It was like, it was there for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Even when you were suffering through it, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can, I can put it to good use now, finally. Yeah. That's amazing. So, okay. So what did that look like when, um, when you were talking about having him bring you on in a kind of a, I don't know, I guess like a chief curator capacity. Yeah. So it was really uh, bringing in more artists, growing the gallery, um, you know, focusing on having a diversity of artworks, a diversity of artists, and, you know, at that point, the, um, we had shifted some things in terms of, you know, really wanting to focus more on local to local and having it be more of a farm to table while we were growing the business and growing our customer base. So recruiting, yeah, that's really smart. Yeah. So we're just, you know, recruiting local folks through art shows or through Instagram and really just building up that piece of the business. 
Yeah, I think I think that's really smart. And Joe was talking about that as well. And I think even during this period with the pandemic, it makes even more sense, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's really nice to hear that Get the Gallery has kind of been able to thrive during the pandemic. I know a lot of uh, the art world, I mean, it's been kind of split with, you know, people who are just used to showing in galleries and brick and mortar stuff has been it's been a little different, but a business like at the gallery, or if you're able to transition into some sort of virtual or online medium, then the art world has actually been thriving in, oh, in that respect. Sure. So it's cool to hear sure. that get the gallery also has been. Are you are you ever there for some of the installations? Yeah, so that's been really fun too. We have uh, some corporate clients. Uh, we have a luxury high rise in downtown Denver mm-hmm. that we just did a big art installation for, and we had three local artists and you know curated a, a collection for them to hang in their hallways of their building. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, and so and when you know showed up and and. One of the artists came in for her piece, which was really fun and got to meet her in person. And then uh, we actually hung all of the artworks. Joe and I hung all these, spent the day and hung all the artworks. And so it was everything from start to finish um, as far as, you know, engaging the client, curating artworks, delivery, hanging, all the whole deal. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and I asked Joe this a little bit too, but um, when do you think, or do you think you guys are going to start transitioning into some other cities? And we were talking about on the podcast with Joe, a little bit of cells and kind of different cities, like home bases in other cities. Is that a little ways off you think, or pretty close? Uh, that's a really great question. I don't think we really have a concrete answer for that. I think it Mm -hmm. depends on, you know, we really want to focus on building a repeatable business channel before we take it to another city. And yeah. so we, you know, we want to make sure that we have everything kind of locked in here before we, we take it outside here. So we're, we're slow and growing right now. We're, you know, it, it just, I think once we're at the point where we feel like we have uh, a large enough customer base here, and everything's locked in and we'll take it to another city. So we'd love to do it sooner than later. Um, yeah. And, you know, our, our efforts right now, we're really just focusing on awareness of our brand, um, which is always a challenge, right? When you're a, a new business. Oh um, yeah. Or even just, a new artist. Yeah. Yeah. Letting people know that you, that you exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I exist. Yeah. So yeah. that's the goal right now. No, that makes complete sense. And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure to kind of grow and scale faster, but I think it's smart that yeah. you're taking your time. And I know Joe has a lot of experience with other startups and in the corporate world. So good on you guys for taking your time with it. Yeah. I, think it'll, I think it'll mean that your business is going to be more successful moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Well, that's awesome. Um, we're going to shift a little bit back to you as an artist personally. I always ask people and artists how well, what their superpower is, because I think of artists as like superheroes almost. But what I mean by that is when you're not feeling creative, when you're having some sort of block or whatever, maybe you're just depressed and you're not feeling like creating. Is there anything that you do like a daily routine or some sort of habit you have that kind of sparks that creativity so you can get back in the studio and and knock a painting out? Yeah. So for me, really, it our travel, you know, and I talked a little bit about our adventures that we had with our travel trailer and we've upgraded here in the last couple of years. We have a large fifth wheel now that's literally it's a house on wheels. We have everything that we need. It's got, you know, washer dryer, our full kitchen, fireplace. Oh really? Fireplace. I mean it's yeah, it's literally it's a home on wheels. And so we get out in that thing as much as we can. And it's been really amazing during this pandemic because you know most people are stuck at home and yeah and that's it and so we've been able to get out and travel and get outside and the well, summer, because it's like you can take your you can be stuck at home yeah. but take your home with you exactly well we can continue to you know we can work as long as we're somewhere that has internet we can yeah. do, we you know we can both continue to do work and Right now, our daughter is doing remote school, and she's in second grade. So, really, anywhere that we can go where we have connectivity, 
you know, we can work and do school by day. And then in the evenings, we, we actually just got back from a trip last weekend. We were out for four weeks and just exploring Colorado and seeing the fall colors. And when yeah, we I keep get, seeing your Instagram feed yeah. going like, oh, Heather's <laughs> yeah. here now. And Heather's yep. here. How is she running this business and doing exactly. her art? And she's all <laughs> over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, you know, just getting out for a hike every afternoon and really getting outside and and connecting with nature and again, taking a break from kind of that routine. I'm sure that feeds you and replenishes all the creativity. Yeah. Well, and also it seems like when you're traveling, I see you, you know, going actively going to places where there's murals and I saw you did, you painted some, what was it that you painted the other day? A desk? Oh yeah. Uh, a piano. Oh, piano. That's what it was. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of like a desk with musical keys. (laughs) I had to think for a minute, but yeah, it was a, (laughs) it was a piano. So yeah, that was, um, that was on our trek. We were, we were, that's an interesting story too. We were on our way to lunch. We were, had parked our car and we were walking to a restaurant and just happened to be walking past the community center in this teeny tiny little mountain town And there was a woman sitting outside and she had a bunch of paints and it turned out that she was the art director for the community center and this piano needed to be painted. And she she asked if we wanted to help do it, you know, help paint the piano. That's so funny. I'm like, in my mind, I'm seeing you just walking by minding your own business and she goes, Hey, would you want to paint the paint the piano? That's literally what, yeah, that's literally what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. I love it. That's so cool. So but you know, just show up these, these it's so, I mean, how, how perfect was that? Right. <laughs> I know I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing a theme here with you and right? it's kind of like you put yourself out there, you put yourself into certain situations and then it kind of organically evolves. These things kind of exactly. come. That's great. I think yeah. you're obviously you're in the flow for sure. So that's really cool. Um, okay. So getting out and traveling is, is something that kind of, replenishes you and gets you creating again what about any do you have any daily routines that are interesting something that you do and this doesn't even have to be for your art but just to kind of feed you as a person um it's interesting I'm not a big routine person Mm -hmm. um so I feel like it's different my I don't really have a routine it's it's kind of different just depending on how I'm feeling and I think I try to get into routines I try to get into you know, routines that are healthy, like working out every morning. And um, so right now I'm on a, I'm on a workout kick, but nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, thankfully all of the workout equipment is here at home. So it's just, you know, getting up every day. And uh, what's interesting is I, yeah, I have have absolutely no excuse. I've got (laughs) everything I need here in the, in the workout room. But what I like about it is I actually get a lot of work done while I'm on the treadmill, which sounds weird, but, um, you know, just posting on social media every morning while I'm on the treadmill instead of, you know, sitting, sitting down, I feel like it's a, it's a good use of my time while I'm, you know, updating social media, forget the gallery and for my own uh, personal art business, my Heather Pearl art business, I can do all that while I'm on the treadmill and that's, that can be a, a bit time consuming just when you're posting across, you know, four different platforms every day Oh yeah, and you're doing it for your personal business. And then also for get the gallery, you know, that can, that can eat up 45 minutes to an hour. Um, oh yeah. Morning. And so I, know. I, yeah, I jump on the treadmill and I do it all while I'm on the treadmill. Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I love it. No. And also it probably feeds into you kind of posting in a positive state of mind too, because you've got the endorphins flowing, you've got the oxygen yeah. coming into the system. Cause I find that if you're sometimes if you're just going on to post, depending on your mood, if you're depressed or whatever, it will affect oh, what sure. you post. So that's a that's a kind of a good little uh a little tip there for people. Yeah. Get on your treadmill with get during social it, media yep. time. Yeah, get on your <laughs> treadmill and, and get yeah, get your post done and at least you're doing some something productive, even if yes. you're just scrolling, you know. And, and liking and interacting with your social media feeds. Uh, yeah. Way to be productive while you're doing that. Yeah. And unfortunately that's important. You know, I mean, you have to interact. Um, you have to kind of reciprocate. People aren't going to, you know, always come back to your feed if you're not ever showing them any interest. Sometimes, like sometimes you have a bunch of people who 
comment all the time. And if you're yeah. never commenting back on their work, they're going to be like, well, screw this person. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So until you're uh, super famous and then yeah. you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, and they don't um, have to worry about anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know about anything, <laughs> but <laughs> social media. Well, you least, certainly right? don't have to worry about your social media because yeah. people will just follow you regardless. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. Um, okay. So what about this one? It seems to, I, I keep asking this question, even though a few of the last people that I've had have kind of said that they don't really think about it this way. I still think it's a, an interesting question, but do you have any kind of failures in your life? Maybe you don't have to see it as a failure, but something that yeah. didn't work out and um, in either in your art career or in life that kind of set you back, but also you ended up learning from it. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of challenges, I would say, in my life, just kind mm-hmm. of all over the place. You know, we talked about my career and just, you know, me I just really never felt like I fit in with what I was doing and the places that I worked at and the people. And so I don't know if I'd say that's a failure per se, but it was definitely something that was a challenge for me. And, you know, I've had just along the way, a lot of just challenging relationships, um, you know, with, with people in my life that I think have pushed me to be better, do better, and then obviously the the fertility journey, you know, going through all of that and having, you know, the two failed pregnancies and then yeah. coming to the end and realizing that, you know, I couldn't, there was, there just wasn't a way for me to achieve being able to have a family in the way that I had wanted to. So there have been many, many challenges along the way that have pushed me to, to be better, to do better, to kind of, you know, get myself into a different mindset. Yeah. And almost like redefine. Yeah. And, and so the other interesting thing for me too, is I am someone who, if you tell me I can't do something or that I shouldn't do something, (laughs) I will revolt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A good trait to have when you're an artist. Yeah. And I've had a lot of that along the way too, just really, I feel like I've always sort of had people underestimate me. And I think some of that is due to the fact that I've always been more on the quiet, shy side. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I was incredibly introverted and, um, you know, just didn't really use my voice. And, you know, people interpreted that in many ways. Um, There were people that thought I was, was shy. There were people that thought I was stuck up. There were people that thought all sorts of things. And so, I think just which are all their own projections upon you, by the way. Yeah. And I just really never put myself out there, even in my career, you know, just kind of, I mentioned that I struggled to kind of get to that next level. And, and there were a lot of times where um, just insecurity um, or insecurities and feeling like, you know, my, my voice either wouldn't be heard or wouldn't be important. Um, you know, I, I held back in a lot of ways. And so people would underestimate sort of my powers, <laughs> my superpowers. And then yeah. what I, and I still, to this day, I mean, things have definitely evolved for me over time. And I would say I'm, I'm the most extroverted and vocal that I've ever been in my entire life, which is fantastic. I feel like I've finally come to a place where I'm comfortable with myself and I don't really care. Um, if, you know, people don't like an idea or, you know, don't, don't like something about me. And so it's a, it's a good place to be, but yeah, for a long time, I really struggled with, with so many things in terms of just having a voice and, and still to this day, I have people who've known me my whole life that say, Oh, wow, you're doing that. That doesn't sound like you, or that doesn't sound like something you would do, or they discover that, you know, I do this or I do that. And, Oh, I never, never knew that you did that. So, so it's really interesting. And, and um, I think I, I continue to surprise people just because there just is a lot that I've never really talked about or put out there. Mm -hmm. And so people don't really have an understanding of some of the challenges or some of the things that I've gone through. Yes. Until now. That's yeah, that's beautiful. And I think it's comes with age a little bit, but also you've had such an interesting life and and a set of challenges, but you get to a certain stage where it's like, you kind of realize that what am I, 
what am I waiting for? Or what am I, right. well, why am I, why am I holding I'm back? Holding back. Exactly. Right. You're not hurting anybody but yourself. Right. I think, think for me, one of the biggest things that I've discovered is I just won't waste my time anymore. Right. I used to waste my time. I was a big people pleaser. Yep. Um, and I had a lot of different relationships that kind of hung on because of that. And now it's just oh, like, yeah. you know what? It, some of it's just practical, but also it's just, I just have started to realize what's really truly important in my life. And yeah. now I just go, nope, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it sounds like you're kind of on a similar path right now. Yeah. And it's been a, again, it's just kind of been a, I feel like that's been a slow transition for me, but I'll tell you that in this last year, Mm-hmm. That's definitely been the theme for for me for 2020, and I know that obviously we're all dealing with you know COVID and the challenges around sure. that. But this year, um, with you know we've had some other things going on with my husband's health, and it's just it's been an exhausting year. So again, just yes. um, you know being in a place where I just I don't have the time or the energy to, like you said, be a a people pleaser. And I've spent a lot of my life being a people pleaser. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, hanging on to relationships or, or certain things. And, you know, I've just, I don't, I just don't have it in me (laughs) anymore to, to do that. So, well, that's maturity, but it also sounds like for you, it's the same, maybe even more, you know, more than myself that it's, it's practical. It's yeah. a, it's the only thing you can do. I mean, you right. only have so much time now, right? And so much right. energy. Capacity, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm sorry, I didn't want to bring it up either, but um, but I'm 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 sorry to hear about your husband and and I hope that he uh gets well soon and yeah, definitely will be you. thinking about you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Well, so do you have any advice that you would give? Like I know you've had a very interesting life. Is there any advice looking back? you would give to young Heather? Oh yeah. Be about anything. Oh yeah. So much. <laughs> You're like, how long is your podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, how much time do we have? Here? Right. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it really plays into a lot of what we've already talked about in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, just one of the regrets that I do have is not being more comfortable and having a voice and, and being more expressive and asking for the things that, you know, that I've wanted and really allowing sort of other people to, again, back to that people pleaser thing, right. Sort of allowing other people to, to, I don't know, in some ways it's a, I look at, um, I look at that as allowing other people to have control versus, um, Oh, definitely. You know, having that control in my own hands. So, well, cause people will take advantage of that. Oh, uh, I started sure. to realize that I was attracting a certain type of person in my life. Exactly. It was like, exactly. Oh, this person's like, Oh, this person's like this too. This person's like this. And it's just because I don't know. I mean, I, I maybe it's just as simple. It, it doesn't have to be some sort of like nefarious thing. Maybe it's just as simple as different puzzle pieces. You know, this type right. of person needs this type of person to bounce off of, but it doesn't really work to our advantage at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think it yeah, no. keep going. Yeah, no. And really just, you know, sort of trusting in that intuitive process. I mean, if I could go back and do things over, I would have started this career a long time ago. And, you know, really just kind of felt like I had to suffer through getting to this place to figuring out that it's okay to want to do something creative as a Mm -hmm. full-time gig. And I don't think that I ever felt like that was an option when I was younger. And I've always been creative in many different ways, many different forms, but I don't think I ever felt like there was a way for me to do this and be successful. And part of it was, you know, just a part of it was a confidence thing. Part of it was, I didn't really know anyone else that was doing this so really just following my gut. And well, also you have all of society basically telling you, oh, you'll never make <laughs> money doing this, right? Exactly. Huge exactly. pressure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, there's, those, are, those are a few tidbits that I would go back and share with my younger self. Yeah, no, I like it. And thank you for sharing that. Also, it's interesting because I think that's another thing I've discovered over the years is some things that I had regrets about in the past. Now I kind of look back and go, you know what? It kind of, it brought me to where I am. And I'm sure you have a similar thing. Like, would you have gone down this path had you known earlier? Who knows? We we never know. Or would you be as 
I don't know, would you be, would your art be as powerful as it is? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So or it's would kind you of, be as driven or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or appreciative or, you know. Exactly. So now it's, it's interesting coming to a place where you're almost thankful for the things, even the really tough things that have shaped us. Um, right. Okay. Moving forward, where would you like to see, or where do you see yourself in, in your art in like five years, or it doesn't even have to be five years, but do you have any specific goals? Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I guess I don't really sit down ever and think about where do I want to be in five years, but I can say that I'd love to just really see this continue to evolve in Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, way that, um, that I can continue to do this for a living. Um, you know, whether it's with get the gallery or, you know, my personal art business, I would just love to see everything to continue evolving and, and just continue to enjoy the process. Yes. Once you stop um, enjoying the process, something is out of balance. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's beautiful. And, you know, looking at your social media feed and, and, and knowing what little I know about you, you definitely see kind of an organic and positive energy in whatever you're doing, which I really love. So keep doing that. Um, I think that's really valuable for, for people to see. So do you have anything that you feel like you want to talk about or plug or something that we left out, something you think is important, or do you feel pretty good about where we are? Yeah, I feel great about um, where we are and just, you know, really the only plug, I guess, would be um, social media feeds, Heather mm-hmm. Prawl, Heather Prawl Art. Uh, on, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then Get the Gallery is on all the same platforms uh, get just get the gallery. So pretty, pretty easy to find whatever social media platform you're on. And, um, you know, always just appreciate the support and the following and the positivity. Yeah, definitely. And for those of you who aren't going to look in the show notes where I'm going to put all these links, it's um, H-E-A-T-H-E-R-P-R-A-L-L, correct? Yep, you've got it. Give it a goog, as Pete Holmes would say. You can find Heather. She's the first thing that pops up, which is easy to find. So uh, you will not be disappointed. Love your work and love what Get the Gallery's doing. So thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your time. And it was a great conversation. And look forward to continuing to work with you through Get the Gallery as well. Yes, me too. And uh, maybe we can do a round two and get into some nitty gritty stuff next time. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Heather. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.